Welcome to the Tesla Future Series, a three-part podcast to explore the future of energy, transportation, and society through the lens of one company, Tesla. In this episode, we look at Tesla in the long term. When everyone is producing batteries and EVs, how will Tesla stay competitive? So in this episode, we are exploring a hypothetical future. We're saying that Tesla has become financially sustainable and Big Auto has made the transition to creating EVs at scale. Yes, uh, electric cars have gone mainstream. Consumers want EVs, love EVs. And the internal combustion engine really now is just used for niche use cases. And in this future, the question then becomes, from the perspective of a customer or consumer, should I buy an electric vehicle produced by BMW or should I buy an electric vehicle produced by Tesla? The dominant market narrative at the moment seems to suggest that you would buy a BMW because they have that brand heritage and that excellence in manufacturing from the last 50 to 100 years. And this narrative also assumes that even though Tesla has a lead today, BMW and all of the other big automakers will catch up and create comparable electric vehicles to Tesla. Our view is slightly different. And this episode is about articulating why we think this. We think that Tesla is ahead in electric vehicles and will stay ahead. Not because other automakers won't try to catch up. We think they will. It is because the pace at which Tesla is moving ahead is quicker than the pace at which the automakers are catching up. And we think that the future is not about racing to one point. It's a continual innovation journey. But is this idea really new? Um, All companies need to innovate, don't they? Yeah, all companies need to innovate all the time. I think the thesis here is that the scale of the change right now is bigger. We are seeing a once in a generation shift in energy and transportation, in software and autonomy in battery technology, in business model innovation. And in this episode, what we'd like to do is talk through the big areas of change, explore the change that's coming, and then ask the question, if you accept that all of this is going to happen in the next 10 years, who is more able to innovate the quickest? Is it the traditional automakers and energy companies, or is it a new player like Tesla? So you're saying the new competitive mode is the ability to innovate quickly because there's so much change coming. Shall we then start with thinking about battery technology? Sounds good. And there is a lot to say on battery technology, although the first point is really simple. We think batteries are amazing. We use battery technology all the time. We're surrounded by them in our personal consumer devices, but we probably rarely stop and think about how that battery is actually working. How at the atomic level, ions are shuffling back and forth and reforming into a new structure. It's probably a really silly analogy, but in my mind, being a non-expert in this space, I like to think about two brick houses next door to each other and bricks moving from one of the houses to the other house and reforming and then bricks moving back to the, the first house. And I think this is kind of how I see what's happening at the atomic level within a battery and kind of how quickly, how many bricks move, how quickly they move, how well they form in the new structure determines the properties of the battery, its energy density, its charging rate, and its longevity. And 
Today, when most people talk about batteries, mostly they're referring to the lithium-ion batteries. And the history of the lithium-ion battery is quite instructive to how hard it is to develop battery technology. So quick history lesson. In the 70s and 80s, some very clever people came up with a design for the cell chemistry. In the 90s, this was commercialized by Sony for the personal electronics revolution. And really what we're seeing over the last 10 years is the scaling of this technology to new use cases that require more battery power. So electric vehicles and grid and residential storage. If you picture some of the disposable batteries you have at home though, a lot of what is happening is packaging up lots of these similarly shaped batteries into bigger, bigger packs for these new use cases. And what about the cost of lithium batteries? We're seeing a dramatic reduction in the cost of lithium-ion batteries. Bloomberg New Energy Finance suggests the price in 2010 was $1,200 per kilowatt hour at the pack level. By 2018, they suggest that this had dropped to $176 per wow. kilowatt hour. Yeah, it's a huge reduction. And we're likely to see a continuation of this reduction as we scale. It's difficult to know how quickly, but as people become better at manufacturing, as the scale grows, based on how this has worked in other technologies, we think that cost will continue to come down. But in addition, you could also see some new battery types and there's lots of contenders out there lithium sulfur batteries solid state batteries ultra capacitors that being said it's also feasible that lithium could end up winning maybe not because it's technically the best but because the scale it's already achieved the foothold in new markets that it's already that's already being used for may mean that it's just cheaper and a lot of investment has gone into it already People are often talking about the new cell chemistries, though. How confident are we that we will see some new batteries design? We're optimistic, with the caveat that we must recognise that this is extremely hard to do. The development of batteries takes years, as per the story of lithium-ion batteries. But the lithium-ion battery has given the battery a foothold in new markets, and we could really see the battery taking a dominant place in the future of energy transportation. Already, EVs are viable, grid storage is viable, local storage is viable. And as such, we think we're going to see real increasing investment in this space going forward because the size of the opportunity dictates that. Let's now switch focus to autonomy, the second big trend in transportation. Yeah, autonomy is the real wildcard of the next 10 years. There is a broad consensus today that autonomy is possible. It's just a question of timing. And that consensus in itself is evidence of how quickly the space is moving. Ten years ago, the idea of self-driving cars wasn't even really an idea. In 2004, the US government put up a prize to create some autonomous cars that could drive a route in the desert. Year one, no one finished. By year four, they had progressed to some urban routes. Now, these groups of people didn't solve the problem, but they did conceptually prove the idea and create a group of people who realised the potential and were willing to invest their academic or professional careers in this area. And shortly after this, we saw the first big commercial investments in this space with Google and the Waymo project. Again, a test and kind of proof of concept. If you fast forward to today, though, Google is developing an autonomous taxi service in the US. 
And while there are still many barriers, this is really impressive progress. And what are the barriers to achieving full self-driving? Well, there are still many barriers to achieving full autonomy, and here we'll discuss just two of them. The first is a big one, safety. Autonomous systems are new and potentially dangerous. So from a regulator's perspective, defining exactly how safe and the requirement that these systems need to meet before they're going to improve them approve them is going to be a big challenge. And then from the companies developing autonomous systems, getting to a level of safety where the regulator will approve it and being able to demonstrate that safety, that these systems are safe, is going to be a big challenge. And this is going to be an evolving conversation in the different jurisdictions over the next few years. Secondly, it's worth talking about technology. The technology has come a long way. There's lots of different aspects to the technology as well, and we're definitely not there yet. And one of the areas that we find the most interesting is the progress that's been happening around how the car sees and understands its environment. Because if you think about what an autonomous car has to do as it's driving, as we do as we drive, it has to be able to classify and understand everything it sees around us. And we're pretty amazing at doing this because we have this really sophisticated brain that has been trained over (laughs) many generations and that we trained as a child to be able to recognize and classify everything. And it's a really amazing thing that we're able to do. But to enable a computer to do that is a tremendous challenge. To understand and classify between people, cats, dogs, animals, to just distinguish between a car and a police car, to understand different traffic lights and all of the various road markings and road signs is really, really hard. Now, the industry, as we've said, has made great strides in this area through the use of vision and deep learning. Now, deep learning is a field of research that says if you want to train a computer to be able to see and understand everything, then you should use a combination of a neural network and lots of lots of data. So if you want to teach a car to understand traffic lights, provide lots of examples of traffic lights. If you want to teach a car to understand road markings, provide lots of examples of road markings. So that's the the methodology, but also herein lies the problem because our roads are so complex in terms of everything that is you might encounter the different road markings the different road signs and all of the dynamic activity of us and everything else in our world so to be able to provide data of all of those situations that a car might come across before the car encounters it is a tremendous challenge and that's really the question can these companies developing autonomous systems using this deep learning methodology, can they collect enough data to summarize and allow the car to understand the almost infinitely complex world around it? Or can they get to the point where they've they've trained the neural net so that it understands 99.999% of what it will come across, but recognizing there will always be some specific cases where the car won't have had data to understand its environment before it encounters it. So 
really interesting challenge and no one really knows a whether it's definitely possible that the challenge could be met or b it's quite uncertain how long it might take to train these neural nets to be to be safe enough so hence autonomy really being a wild card about when we might get to a safe fully developed autonomous system i think there is recognition within the industry that this methodology and approach is pretty effective but solving that last you know 0.5% of very unusual cases that's where i think there's a recognition that this still could take quite a long time finally on this topic of autonomy we think it's also a great example of how companies will need to continue to innovate so even if a regulator said okay your system needs to be uh twice as safe as a human or it needs to travel x number of miles across any geography without having an incident for it to be considered safe even if you as a company were able to meet that challenge or that requirement you're still going to recognize that there are other things you could do there's other there's other situations and other data that could help to improve your autonomous system and year after year you're going to continue to try to make it better and better and better and that could be the distinguishing feature maybe there could be a number of companies that get to the base level requirement for safety that the regulator sets but some software is going to be safer than others a bit like some cars are safer than others today so with all of this change is there going to be business model changes as well yes definitely um autonomy means people may stop buying cars uh perhaps the autonomous platform of the future is actually the the will, will become the largest consumer of cars uh the car itself will change quite dramatically because it won't be orientated around the driver anymore the value in transportation might shift from the driving experience to the service experience so you could see sleeping cars or meeting cars or restaurant cars in the slightly nearer term we're already seeing some business model changes so electrification offers the chance to build the petrol stations of the future as tesla are doing with their charging infrastructure we are seeing new ways of buying cars through an online model rather than franchise dealerships and we're seeing some car companies talk about or i think tesla may be perhaps the only one talking about starting an insurance company in this space because they will have access to data which shows how safe drivers are so you'll be able to better price your insurance and then finally we're seeing driver assistance features so for example lane centering undertaking overtaking on the motorway so yes there's lots of potential changes to business models there's a lot of changes we discussed for example autonomy batteries and business model but why does this mean that tesla will stay ahead of the competition yeah firstly it's important to think about who tesla's competition is which is quite interesting in itself tesla seems to have a lot of direct competitors because they're trying to do a lot of work in the house so let's walk through this you got software houses like Google and Waymo trying to develop the brain of the electric car. Tesla are also trying to do this in-house developing their own neural net. You've got chip makers developing new types of chip to process these neural net architectures. 
Tesla are also designing their own chip in-house, so competing in that space. Tesla is also competing against Big Auto for the design and manufacture of EVs. And quite interestingly, they're in-housing quite a lot of the manufacturing process in comparison to a normal process at a Big Auto company. There are specific energy and battery companies developing storage solutions for the grid and residential applications. And then Tesla are even trying to compete in the generation business with specific products like solar roof tiles. Is the question then slightly more nuanced? Why do we think Tesla can outcompete the software houses in software and automakers in hardware? Yeah, our, our central thesis here is that there's lots of change coming over the next 10 years and we think Tesla will be able to innovate faster across all of these areas. And we think that because when you need to innovate quickly, we think doing this internally is a big advantage. Iterating through a supply chain quickly we think is really difficult. So Tesla developing their own neural net or car brain, if you like, in-house. Tesla are designing their own chip in-house. They have their own data set that they're collecting from people's cars that are out driving on the roads in all areas of the world. And they're obviously developing and selling their own electric vehicles. And we look at the future and see this big integration challenge. How do you integrate this hardware and software into a new electric vehicle and potentially how do you iterate on the design of that electric vehicle as autonomy rolls out and then introduce new services to it. So we think the quicker you can go through these iteration cycles, the faster you will move. And for Tesla having a lot of this expertise in-house, that's really why our central thesis is that Tesla is structurally set up to be able to innovate faster. And we think the best example of this is the autonomous software. Because they have designed their own chip to process their own neural net and they are collecting data on a vast scale, we think they'll be able to move through this iterative improvement cycle and collect these really niche use cases of the weird things that happen on our roads and improve their software faster. That's our central thesis, but we also... There's a few other areas that it's worth covering just quickly as to why we think Tesla will maintain a competitive advantage. So the second thesis is their strategic approach to autonomy. And we don't necessarily have a lot of time right now to talk about this really complex area in a lot of detail. But what we would like to do briefly is just outline how we can see that Tesla has an advantage on their particular path towards full autonomy and that there is potentially more than one path to getting to full autonomy. So in in a very simple summary, we think there's broadly two approaches to getting to full autonomy. One is to say, take a specific area, either a city or an area within a city and understand the complexity of that area really, really well map that area, provide the maps to the cars, use additional sensors, not just a camera, but LiDAR to increase the knowledge of where that car is within uh, its environment and it's the environment around it so that it's potentially safer. And then to develop that autonomous and release that autonomous system within that specific area. So you could see that companies could get to an autonomous taxi service within a specific area within the next few years using this approach. The question though then becomes, how do they scale beyond that one city? 
big big unknown question for me. I'm not sure whether it's city by city or whether you can even take this approach to towards a generalized autonomous car. Second approach, which is the one that Tesla are adopting, is to say we're not going to try to develop a autonomous service within one particular area. We're going to try to eventually go for an autonomous car that can drive in any area. And how we're going to do this is we are going to say that developing this autonomous software and making it safe is dependent on developing a neural network and identifying and defining the right data to train that neural network so that the car can handle the complexity of all road environments. So really, in this approach, everything becomes very clearly a data problem. If you want the car to be able to handle all of the different road markings, all of the different environments, you have to provide examples. So you need a way of getting all of that real world data from all different environments. And the way Tesla is saying they're potentially going to do that is through the cars that they are currently selling. So every car that Tesla sells is able to pull back data of its environment and Tesla can then use that data to feed it into training their neural network. So they seem to have an approach that towards getting to full autonomy that is different because they are currently selling cars that can collect the data for them as opposed to I think every other company in this space is not able to do that even Waymo is limited by the number of cars that they have on the road to collect real world data now there are some other questions about the the importance of real world data versus simulation which we're not going to go into here all we're saying is that there's two seems to be two approaches to getting to full autonomy and Tesla's approach seems to be as credible as the other one but it's something that definitely needs to be explored further our next thesis with regards to Tesla's competitive position is their strategic decision to apply batteries across multiple markets. We think batteries are going to adopt this new place within society. And so it doesn't really make sense to just think about batteries within the context of EVs. You should think about batteries wherever they can be applied. So within grid storage or residential storage. And we think that's going to be a strategic advantage. And we can see big growth within these markets over the next 10 years. Final two points. The first one uh we we do think that tesla placing a social mission this accelerating the transition to sustainable energy and transportation is going to be continually important going forward in both attracting talent and retaining brand value with consumers and customers even if other companies start to create great electric vehicles we think many people, because Tesla have done this from the beginning, because they've done it when it's hard, because they've done it when it's the right thing to do, we think well, Tesla will retain some of that brand value for a long time. And then finally, we'd like to finish on leadership. So in this period of change where you've got electrification, you've got autonomy, you've got new business models, you really need leadership with deep technical understanding of these changes and to, to make these difficult decisions. And we think Tesla has some 
the best leadership. That's not just Elon. There's lots of leaders within Tesla, but I think Elon does kind of represent this idea that at the top of the organization, you have some real technical leadership there. So I think that brings us to the end of the Tesla Future series. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast series and that we've given you some insights into how the future might unfold. The transition to sustainable energy and transportation is one of the key challenges for our society, wherever you live. It's why we think Tesla is an exciting organisation and why we hope there are hundreds and thousands of others who can create the solution to move us faster to this future. And we also wish to be part of this journey. As ever, please reach out to us at hello at thefutureseries.co. Thank you.